Hello and welcome to another edition of the Casual and the Diehards, an NBA podcast on the End Zone podcast feed. What is up, everybody? Joining me as, as usual, Audrey, Ethan, Aramis. I feel like hello, hello, kind, hello. Kind, kind of dismissed with the, the pleasantries this week and get into, uh, you know, the reason we are we're all here. Uh, B-Ball Paul, I mean, just dominating, uh, dominating the on the court for the Sixers tonight. Obviously, the biggest story in the NBA. Psych. No, of course we we are going to start the only place we could start, and uh, that would be Game Seven, Sacramento, Golden State Warriors. And uh, Ethan, I'm going to put you on the spot here, but I'm sure you you have it. I just want you to give me like two to three minutes soliloquy on Steph Curry's greatness. I just want, I, I just, I, I think just you're going to get that no matter what you ask for. I think, if you <laughs> asked, I think if you asked for three words to describe the game last night, you would have gotten a two to three minute soliloquy about Steph yeah, Curry's greatness. Yeah, yeah, I could go for 30, but we'll, we'll try to keep relatively brief. That's what um, I want. Go. Curry, dude, dude, like, just when you think they're dead, Steph Curry wills them to another amazing victory. Like, to watch game six, that was the most frustrated that I have ever been after basketball game. Game six, they just completely no-showed on their home court. Just to close out the series, uh, to put a really, you know, rough and rowdy Kings team away, good. And they just completely no-showed, laid a complete egg on their home. And I thought, oh, here we go again. You know, the worst road team in the league this season has to go on the road in the game seven and get a victory. And who shows up but motherfucking Steph Curry, dude? 50 points. He shot the ball. That's his career high in shot attempts. 38. Um, made over half of them. Um, and he was just, you could just tell he had that look in his eye, man. Like, I've watched so many Steph Curry games over the years. And I have never quite seen him really lock in and, and be determined to take complete control of the game from the opening tip like a lot of the time he's sometimes passive in the first quarter kind of passes the ball a little bit and lets other guys get involved not not on sunday dude curry was locked in from the jump ready to and will his team to victory and i don't know if any of you guys saw that article that the athletic wrote yesterday about the speech that he gave to the team pregame getting them all locked in you know normally it's draymond talking to the team or coach kerr but but curry you know, locking everybody in and, and, you know, getting things going. It was just incredible to watch. I mean, tough, tough to follow that. Tough to follow that in, indeed. All good points. I mean, I think Steph Curry is one of these guys that's really interesting because I, just as a casual fan here, here's what, here's what I, here's what I have. For, for Steph Curry is I believe if he were to win one more championship, I really don't think you can keep him out of that, you know, greatest players conversation because I mean, he's not that far off from, from six, which, which Jordan has, he's kind of at the same level as LeBron's and then you, you've got like Kobe in there too, and he's got sort of the same cultural impact on the game as Kobe. But I, I don't know. Aramis, obviously you're you're a you're a historian. At what point does 
you know, Curry creep into that, we can put him in that same kind of category as Jordan and Kobe and LeBron as as those kind of three generational superstars that that define basketball. Um, I don't know. It's a that's a rough conversation. That's a real way to put it in because Steph Curry is an amazing player. He's you're right. He should be up for those conversations, but I it's just hard to put him like he should be in the conversation right now. Four rings, leading his team to the finals every year, especially his performance that he had against the Celtics. And uh, as Ethan just went on, um, the I, I just as Ethan just said, um, he had an amazing performance against the Sacramento Kings. Shout out to them playing hard, um, dropping a fifty with his highest field goals and one of the most more um, efficient games. Like it just feels like he should be in the conversation right now, but it's. I don't know. I have a hard time. I have a hard time putting them up there with those guys, if I'm honest. Like, there is certain things that will be counted against them when you're talking about up with a Kobe, up with like a Jordan players. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, What's we can talk against- at least. Oh, sorry, Eric. We can talk at least for one thing that we know for certain is that I think we could all agree that he's the best shooter of all time. Yeah. I think that at this yeah, point no is un- no that's undisputed. Uh, so I mean, he's got that, and and I mean, hanging fifty points on a fantastic Kings team in one of the hardest environments to play in, like this is one of those legacy games. Like not to not to be like that person on the podcast, but like this is one of those games that that when you look back on his career, this will be one of those moments that gets mentioned in that in that top five or top ten moments of his. And I, I mean, I think he's he's certainly in top five status for me at this point. What what holds him back? What are those things you're talking about, Aramis? To be honest with you, just time. Like it's all petty bullshit. If I'm being honest with you, like there's the it's all like allegiances and fans and like it'll be it'll be petty shit like that. Because realistically, he is one of the greatest players of all time. Like full stop. Period. Not just greatest shooter. He like he hasn't let. Um, he leads his teams well. Ethan just talked about kind of the speech he gave that hyped everybody to fuck up and cooked everybody to fuck up to show up for the game. He is legitimately one of those things, but it's gonna be some tribal bullshit. Like, oh man, he's not like he's not as good as Kobe. He's not as good as Jordan. You know? But at this point, he probably has greatest shooter and greatest like below like little point guard locked up for what he has been in the NBA for sure. I mean, Ethan, oh, go ahead, oh, oh, go ahead, Audrey. I was about to sneeze. Sneeze anyway. Go, please. Oh, <laughs> excuse me. Well, um, oh my goodness, I'm I'm losing my train of thought. But oh, shoot. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> One thing that I would count against Steph Curry. The only thing I could say that you could you could discount against him that might take him out of the greatest of all time conversation for me is the ability to defend any position, which I think you can make an argument for LeBron, MJ, Kobe, all being able to do to an extent. I think that might just hurt him is his, is his size. And uh, I, he doesn't have the ability to play defense all over the court, even if he can shoot from anywhere on the floor. Hmm. Uh, Ethan, what yeah. would you say to that argument? Yeah. I mean, I think the way that people talk about Curry's defense in general is a lot of times kind of disingenuous in my opinion like Audrey's right you know because Curry is so unique in the top 10 discussion even because there's really no other players that are of his and his size that are to this level of greatness right there's other like smaller guards you know guys like 
Allen Iverson or John Stockton or whoever you want to put in there. Right. But none of those guys are really in the stratosphere of Curry. And so just his size alone kind of throws things off. I think he's actually a pretty good defender in a team concept and he holds his own one-on-one he's a lot better now than he was earlier on in his career but yeah he's not going to guard every position but that's not really what they're asking him to do right as the point guard that's not really his job his role um sure that's something that you i guess you could hold against him but for me you know the fact that he's 6-3 i think kind of just i don't really factor that in too much his his switchability on defense per se and Mm -hmm. ethan that what you bring up about him and his play style is so great. Like, it's so perfect. He is a very unique player to be in this top 10 discussion. Nobody plays like him and at all. Like, running off the ball, he is the point guard. He can cross you up, good, get assists, all that good stuff. But, like, the way he runs off the ball, the way the offense runs through him. And also, like, I'm always a big fan of his rebounding. It feels like he always ends up with, like, nine, ten boards. It feels like in big games. Like, he is just a different type of player to be in this conversation. What do we think about the Warriors overall in this in this series and going forward? I would say a, a theme of, of today's show might be who we think has the best shot to win the title at this point. I would say it's the most wide open it's ever been. I still have no feel to be, if I'm being completely honest with you. I might have said the Celtics this morning, but then they lose today to Philly without... Yeah. Joel Embiid and I, I just I have no clue I know but the Warriors are going to be in that conversation but I don't know Ethan do you think this team has that ceiling let me just play devil's advocate here on, on why they may not to me this does feel like one of the thinner Warriors teams they've had because outside of you know Clay and Steph as scoring options Jordan Poole was awful in that series he borderline yeah couldn't be played at points and just doesn't play didn't really play the team style of basketball really just tried to huck up a ton of shots which is and and not really share the ball which is not something they're great at Jonathan Kaminga did not get a ton of minutes like who who are their role like the Lakers, you can point at and you can say, okay, well, they have a bunch of role players. Like, who are the Warriors' role players at this point? Like, are you really leaning on Dante DiVincenzo? Like, at Gary Payton, I know you love him, but let's be honest, he's a defensive substitute. Like, Kevon Looney is a, a, a great player and, and someone who I thought really showed out in Series 1 and I think should be in that conversation of Warriors' cornerstones on this team. I think he... Draymond, Clay, and Steph are clearly the four best players, but you're not going to get a ton of offense from Kevon Looney. How, how do you feel about just their chances moving forward? This does feel like Steph Curry is just going to have to do this every series if they want a shot to legitimately win an NBA title this year. Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting question about their depth because effectively this is pretty much the same roster as last year. I mean, the only difference in the rotation is you sub out Otto Porter Jr. for Dante DiVincenzo. uh, And that's really the only material thing that's different from, from last year to this season. And I thought it was interesting. The three guys you brought up um, in Jonathan Kaminga, DiVincenzo and Jordan Poole. 
all three of those guys did not have a great series against the Kings. Uh, Kaminga didn't play very much. Jordan Poole, like you said, he did look borderline unplayable at times, had a few good moments, but really was not his best showing. Overall, this season has been kind of a step down for him. Um, and then DiVincenzo as well was really good in the regular season. I thought he would show up in the Kings series, but I didn't think he played his best basketball. So we're going to see if that was a matchup thing or if that's, you know, perhaps in Jordan Poole's case, you know, the scouting being different teams are keying in on him more throwing more counters his way. Cause last year was kind of his breakout season. So maybe teams have more stronger game plans for him now. Um, I think, you know, if I had to guess, I think this Lakers series is going to look a little bit different. I think Kaminga is going to get some more run. Uh, this is a matchup that I think works a little bit better for his favor. Um, we'll see if Jordan Poole can get his legs under him. I really don't know at this point. I do have faith, you know, last postseason he was really, really key to them winning the title, hit a number of big shots in that run. Um, so hopefully he can kind of get some things back going for him. And then Dante DiVincenzo, like I said, was really good all regular season. Um, we'll have to see if he can turn it up to a different year in this playoffs. So, um, I think they do have depth on the roster. A lot of those depth pieces didn't play super well against Sacramento. Uh, and it's just going to be up to them to kind of turn that thing around and, you know, round into form as the postseason goes along. Aramis, do you, do you think this Warriors team ha has enough? juice to it to win in the back-to-back finals this year um i'm not sure the lakers are coming off a nice little break but they've been able to get as the series progressed as the Warriors series progressed the seven games um to be honest with you i like the matchup a little bit more like it's i think it'd be a little bit more competitive i like um for the Warriors side of things at least i like the matchup for like say a d-low say a um Say Gary Payton the second got a guard D'Lo. I kind of like that. I don't trust D'Lo as much coming in as a factor for the Lakers. And I don't know. I just think it's going to be a little bit more favorable match. I think outside of the Nuggets, really outside of the Nuggets, the Warriors might have the uh, the bigger like a bigger lineup like front court to help like Kevon Looney help kind of mess up Anthony Davis's flow. He really didn't have to worry that much running to the rim against Jaron Jackson Jr. I think it'll be it'll be a very interesting series and uh the Lakers won't be going but going up against the group of scared children in this playoff series. So um it'll be it'll be a lot more competitive, I can say that. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see see we will get into that series a little bit later. We'll do some uh quick series predictions as I know the second round has started, but who cares at this point? Um Teams that lost, I just want to talk about them. Since the last time we talked, because we talked about all the teams that had lost last time around, but since we've talked, the Bucks, Kings, and Grizzlies have been eliminated. And, and there's really only one place to start here. The Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis can have great quotes that get played all over SportsCenter and shown to high school athletes and PE classes around the world for years and years on how to deal with failure and this, that, and the other thing. But the, the question the reporter asked there was objectively fair because objectively this Bucks season was a colossal failure to lose in the first round to an eight seed in five games is when you have the best record in the NBA is a colossal failure. And now the roster just looks different. And will the coaching staff look different? I would argue it, it kind of has to 
at points in this series, Giannis was not guarding Jimmy Butler. Like, what what are we doing here? Like, why, why is one of the best defensive players on the planet not guarding Jimmy Butler? Like, what what's happening? This was by far the series that obviously for all of us was the most shocking. Audrey, what happened to the Bucks and 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 how did they move forward? Because this feels like something we never see in the NBA. And I, I don't say that lately. I'm a huge hockey fan, and you see these kind of eight seed upsets occasionally or one v fours, but in the NBA playoffs, you just hardly ever see an eight seed get past a one seed, much less in five games and dominate a series. And it all came down, I think, to Giannis not playing those those first couple of games. It's just you have to wonder how bad that injury was and, and how much he could have played through it. And I just can't help but to think that the Bucks just thought the Heat were going to be a, a little bit of light cardio before the second round and didn't think anything of it. But, like, it, it's just unbelievable to me that they – weren't able to get him back for more for more of those minutes once they started losing games. I think it was a phenomenal job by Jimmy Butler in the Heat, but you know, mostly Jimmy Butler. He absolutely dragged that team behind him and pending the status of, you know, his ankle, granted the the Heat were still able to close out that first game against the Knicks, but you know, depending on the status of his ankle and how much he's really going to be able to move and and contribute on the floor, I don't know if you really see a path for them moving forward, which if anything, just makes it sting more for the bucks because they, you know, like I still don't think the heat are going to win a title. And you just have to think that that would add insult to injury uh, for, for a bucks team that I and many others expected to go all the way through to the finals. So what do they need to do moving forward? I mean, I am kind of on team get rid of coach bud, but I don't really know, you know, like looking at the, the coaching landscape out there and what type of opportunity they'd reasonably be able to get to improve on him. But I mean, to not call that last time out, you know, bizarre rotations and, and play calling. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, on one hand you have all that to consider, but on the other, like, you know, Giannis really collapsed in the, in the final you know, five, six, seven minutes of that, of that last game. And it's just, it's kind of hard to decide, you know, like, is there somebody to place blame on? Do we just try to say, run it back and forget about it? I, I, I think if they do anything, they'll get rid of the, uh, of coach bud, but I don't see any, any major shakeups beyond that. Granted that is pretty major. Yeah. Um, I'd agree with you. I think not calling the timeout in their sense of getting laughed at by the whole Miami Heat coaching staff is kind of egregious on Bud's part, but he's been historically stubborn for them. This is this little Milwaukee uh, Miami rivalry is starting like I feel like it's starting to become a nice little historical thing for within the league. Like uh, one year Milwaukee kills the Heat, the other two uh, the Heat have killed Milwaukee. So that's been pretty fun. But man, I'm I don't I just. I don't I'm not gonna front Eric. I ain't messing with what you said about his nice quotes and all that stuff. That's they missed out their biggest player for three straight games. And I'm feel like Giannis was holding up back a lot of insecurities and messiness the Bucks without him have had. And they need to get that stuff straight. If I don't know, I don't know. If he's gonna if he's gonna be out, 
their team needs to have um he will say ah I just can't talk sorry yeah he just was saving a lot of face and making a lot of guys look a lot better than they was and that came to pass this playoff series in the way that he yeah I mean it's it's hard to make an argument that that wasn't the case it does you know Brooke Lopez is about to hit free agency I believe correct and you know they they have a lot of open spots on that roster. I mean, I do just want to for a second talk about, and Ethan knows where I I think where I'm going here. There there are a few times. Well, I guess it happens more. I watch a lot of sports, so it happens more than you would think. But like sometimes all you can do is just laugh, like laugh out loud hysterically at something that happens on your TV in sports. And Ethan, I I just want you to walk us through uh, the last play of that game because, holy cow, man, I mean, to end your season with Giannis passing up a shot, Chris Middleton passing up a shot, (laughs) and then to end your season with you put your season in Grayson Allen's hands, yeah, it's just crazy to me. (laughs) I, I just, I mean, there should have been a timeout called. There's no... Like, I understand wanting to run something quick. Like, if if the game had been tied or, like, had their, you know, had they been, like, ahead of the play a little bit, I would have understood the decision to not call the timeout. But the fact is they were down. They needed a bucket. And the Heat were already back on defense pretty much. Like, they had all five guys pretty much, you know, ahead of the ball down the court. Um, if the Bucks had had a fast break opportunity, that's great. Go down there and get a shot but that's just not the situation. And I think 29 coaches in the league probably would have called the timeout there. Um, and just, you know, you said it, Eric, putting your season in the hands of Grace and Allen, like he didn't even get the shot up. He tried to Euro step down the lane, do a nice little floater. He could have let it fly from three, chose not to. Giannis had a shot he could have taken. I think Chris Middleton had the ball there for a second, maybe um, just an all around disaster of a possession. And and it just goes back to the fact that they should have called that timeout and, and set something up and, you know, maybe get Giannis near the rim, try to draw a foul or, or draw up a jumper for Chris Middleton or something. But uh, the way that that unfolded is, is pretty uh, a tough sight to see for Bucks fans. Yeah. It's, it's certainly not the best look in the world, and it'll be very interesting to see how they rebuild. I mean, they are, they are a small market franchise, as people like to point out constantly, but they do have one of the top five players in the NBA. It'll be interesting to see how aggressive they are this offseason because they should be extra aggressive because they, they have a very unique window right now, and uh, they should – Feels like they should take advantage of it. Uh, the Kings, I don't know, like maybe bring in some veterans or or, or something like that. It to me, I think the Kings uh, run it back. To be honest with you, I mean they they looked really good. I mean they gave the Warriors all they had, and if they don't run into Steph Curry, I think they probably win that series. So yeah, that I I I don't have much to out on the Kings. I think it's a pretty good roster, but maybe adding like a veteran presence would be good. Yeah. I mean, they have a couple of relatively big decisions. Um, Harrison Barnes hitting free agency this summer. What does a contract for him look like? 
Um, also some role players, guys like Terrence Davis and Trey Lyles, who played big minutes in that series. Uh, but I think you're right, Audrey. They're probably just going to mostly run it back, maybe with one or two tweaks. Um, and we'll see where they can end up. It's a team with a bright future. I have tons of respect for De'Aaron Fox after that series, man. He He's a certified killer. Uh, and he showed up for seven straight games. And, you know, he's going to be good for a long time. So and things are in a good spot. Absolutely. And, and one often overlooked thing about the Kings, too, is one of their primary scorers already in Keegan Murray is only a, a rookie. This is his first year. And he was a starter contributing at an extremely high level. And, you know, I, I think if you give this team another another year, they're going to look formidable if they're able to continue to make the progress that they have. I, I have nothing but uh, but confidence in the in the future success of the Sacramento team. And much like my beloved Phoenix Suns, after toiling for oh so long, they finally built a, a really solid core and I'm excited to see how far they can take it. All right. Got to give this one to noted Grizzlies hater Ethan Pierce. But OK. <laughs> They they call you up, you know. You're graduating, Ethan. Congratulations! Thank uh, you. Woo. The you know, Memphis Grizzlies call you up tomorrow, and they're like, "Hey, man, we saw you got a degree in communications journalism. <laughs> like, come here and work as an assistant general manager. Like, what are you doing to fix the Grizzlies? Make the Grizzlies a contending team because they." No doubt about it, no matter how you feel about the Grizzlies, they've had outstanding, tremendous regular season success over the past three years. They've been one of the best teams in the NBA at home. The talent on the roster is undeniable. How do you make that talent and turn it into a championship team? Well, it's interesting for Memphis. I mean, I've talked extensively on this show about the fact that they need to find a veteran presence really hurt them not having Steven Adams in there really hurt them letting Kyle Anderson walk last summer. And so I think they just need to go out and maybe package some of their guys on rookie contracts and find somebody who can come in and be a culture setter for them, whether that's, you know, maybe going out in free agency or, or finding somebody out there via trade. Uh, they have stuff they can move. I, th I think the way that Memphis has gone these past couple of years is really focused in on using their own draft capital to find young players and add them to their roster and build a really solid young core. And they have that, you know, I think guys like Jaron Jackson Jr., obviously John Morant, um, you know, guys like Desmond Bain, um, those are going to be a part of their future for a long time. And, and those guys are set, but I think everything else is kind of up in the air. Um, I anticipate they're letting Dylan Brooks walk this summer. The way that the season ended for him was not good. He's going to be a free agent. I doubt they re-sign him. Uh, but maybe you can throw together a couple of contracts like Zaire Williams, maybe Jake LaRavia. He was a rookie this year. Um, John Conchar's money can be thrown in there. Maybe Xavier Tillman. Package a couple of those guys. Uh, see what you can do out there on the trade market. Find a veteran who has contributed to a winning team. Bring them in. Write this culture. You know, have a talk with John Morant about getting serious about winning basketball and uh, see what you can do next year. But I really don't think they're going to run this back. I don't. I don't anticipate any you know colossal changes per se. But uh, I do think we're going to see a markedly different Grizzlies roster next year, and that is definitely for the better. Mm. Anyone else final thoughts on the Grizzlies before we move ahead to some second round series? Not at all. I think Ethan summed it up perfectly. Wonderful. All right, let's get to it. Second round series. 
We could talk about some of these, give predictions. This is working out nicely. We've been going kind of long on the last few of these, but now uh, predictably as series get shorter, like these episodes will get kind of shorter. So that's nice. Uh, Nick's Heat, very interesting series. To me, at least, I I like the drama because everybody knows that Jimmy Butler didn't really work out in Chicago. But to me, I just have an interesting theory that I want want to throw out there and and to Aramis. Like everyone was like, "Oh well, Thibs and Jimmy Butler didn't get along," but like without. Thibs, I don't think Jimmy Butler becomes the player he is. Like, so much of Jimmy Butler's DNA is just married perfectly to what Tom Thibodeau is as a coach, which is just this relentless, fast-paced, never-stop, play-hard-every-possession, run-until-you-drop basketball player. And that's kind of how I would describe Jimmy Butler's style. So in a way, I know it didn't end well, but in a way, I, I would say Jimmy Butler owes a lot of his career to early days under Tom Thibodeau. No doubt about that, man. Um, he his start with the Bulls, you know what I'm saying? He did he, they Tibbs trained him up. He I think he's credited in a lot of interviews, uh, his success to learning under guys like Joaquin Noah, learning under guys and getting confidence under guys like Derrick Rose and Tom Thibodeau was a big part of that, and it feels like like you're right. He has impacted his play style, especially to this day. But you know what? When you have a team as poor as the Timberwolves, you probably get pissed off and want to leave like he did. So, oh, well. Yeah. Your thoughts on the Heat in this series, Aramis? Uh, Jimmy Butler, the report came out today. I believe he's well, the word was iffy for game two. How, how do you see this playing out for uh, – for the Heat, if say they miss Jimmy Butler for one game and maybe get him back in South Beach, well, one game I believe the Knicks will take it and even up the series. I, um, I like what the Heat have going on, but I feel like he he is the engine that keeps them running and keeps them going. Um, they had a lot of good. They feel like they're playing as, as a good playoff team, moving the ball around, getting it, getting it to places, getting it to shooters. Um getting people good open looks. But um, I think without his scoring output, um, it's really going to hurt them. So Knicks, if he's not playing, and if he does play and he's a bit able to be kind of effective, then I think the Heat will have a chance to take it, uh, take the series two games up. All right, let's just head around here and do some uh, I think the best way to do analysis on all of these is just everybody gives a little bit of a soliloquy and, and how they think the series plays out. I'll start with you, Ethan. Yeah. Um, this series is going to be bruising. It's going to be hard physically on both of these teams. I mean, we've already seen it with Butler going down with that ankle injury. If I had to guess, I bet he suits up for game two. I think he's tough as nails and he's going to show up. He might not be a hundred percent, but I think he's going to play. Um, before the series, I believe I went with the Miami Heat in seven games, and I think that's about where I am still uh, after seeing the first one. I thought that they would go in to New York and play some really tough games of basketball. They managed to come out with a win in game one. Um, the Heat are tough. They are lacking depth. I, I am very skeptical of their bench and, and you know trusting some of those guys as we get deeper into the playoffs. Uh, but I think for this series in particular, I think they have enough to get over the top. And Jimmy Butler is just playing at an absolutely insane level right now. It's just hard to bet against them. So I'll go with the Miami Heat to win. Uh, I think this one goes long, though. 
Adrian? You know, I and I guess before I give my series answer, I think the best thing to do for Jimmy Butler, and this isn't, I'm not saying that they'll actually do this because I mean, to your point, I think Jimmy will want to play if he's able to like get onto the court. Uh, but I think the smartest thing to do, if you're the Heat, you're playing with house money right now because you won that game in New York. That's huge. You know, even if you had to lose this one, make Jimmy sit, play with the guys you've got. You were able to close that game out, have faith in your squad. And then if you're able to rest in that game, even if you drop that, the series goes one-to-one, and then you have him back next Saturday in Miami, which is a long time to rest off an ankle injury. And I think the math just checks out on, you know, let him sit out this game, trust the rest of the squad, and then have him back actually at 100% instead of uh, trying to force him to play and potentially re-injuring that. But I think as far as the series goes overall, I'm actually still pretty confident in the Knicks. I was pretty doubtful of them as the playoffs started, but they've they've proved me wrong. And I think based what we based on what we've seen from them so far, I have to say Knicks and six. I like the Knicks a lot here. I do think that Jimmy Butler is gonna get back. I do think the Saturday return makes sense. I think the Knicks will take advantage. I don't foresee them losing in the garden again in this series. So with with that being said, I think but I do I do think that home court advantage is is gonna play out here. I, I don't see if Jimmy Butler plays the Heat losing in Miami. So I'll I'll, I'll say Knicks and seven, I think. Aramis. Um Audrey made a great point about him about Butler sitting out this next coming up game, but I'm I did they the Knicks are proving themselves man, you know what I'm saying? I can't just be a hater on them just for like hate on what they've done. So Jalen Brunson's been playing great. They're gonna get um Randall back in the series eventually and hopefully he'll be able to, you know, really produce out there for them. So I'm gonna rock with the Heat in seven. Before we get to the games tonight, we'll let uh Nuggets Suns wind down just a little bit here Warriors Lakers we talked a little bit about the Warriors earlier I do think this is the test though uh I feel very confident in saying and I know I don't think any Knicks fans listen to this podcast I mean Nuggets pardon me uh fans listen to this podcast but I will say I think whoever wins this series is probably the Western Conference representative to the NBA Finals, I like both these teams more than I like the Suns and the Nuggets. I want to see more from the Warriors contributing guys like D'Angelo Russell, but I think Rui Hachimura, the way he's played, is just undeniably great. And I really think that the Lakers, the Lakers have a shot here, Ethan. And I just want to start with you. Like what's, what's your worry level for this series? Because if I, if I were a Warriors fan, I I would certainly feel like this is a, is, is a toss up. I don't, I don't see either of these teams having a huge edge. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I just reflective of where the league is right now. I think the Western conference, even more so than the East, the West is pretty wide open. I could really see any of the four teams that are still left in there uh, advancing out of the conference. Um, In terms of worry level, I mean, 
I really just want to see how the Warriors look against a different opponent. That King series was really tacking on them. I think they're going to be exhausted for game one. Uh, it's such a quick turnaround. And um, that's going to be interesting to see if they can defend home court, even on just one day of rest. Um, but the Lakers are also a vet team. They didn't have, they only had the two extra days. It should be a pretty big advantage for them, but we'll see. Um, to me, this comes down to LeBron James being transcendent because I actually think I trust the Warriors' depth a little bit more than I do trust the Lakers' depth uh, at this point where we're at. Um, I just think that the Warriors have been there before. They have got to step up in big moments. Um, I don't think we've seen the best of Andrew Wiggins yet. Um, like I talked about with Jordan Poole, I think he can have a bounce back series. Um, we'll see if that does come to pass, but, um, we're just going to have to see who steps up for each team. And, um, if I'm the Lakers, I'm really worried about LeBron, his ability to summon some, another series of greatness, because to me, that foot does not look 100%. Um, we, we kind of talked about this, his injury, he, he met with a couple of doctors and pretty much everybody told him to shut the season down, but he had one doctor, uh, or it's a German doctor that Dennis Schroeder referred him to, uh, tell him that he was okay to keep playing. And he took that one opinion and, and, you know, decided to run out the season. So, um, doesn't look quite 100% peak LeBron James to me, uh, had some moments definitely in that Grizzly series and he's still a force to be reckoned with, but if he is not completely 100, um, then I'm not sure how much juice the Lakers are going to have a Warriors team that I think is going to execute their game plan very well. And uh, I think they actually match up pretty on this Lakers series. So I feel pretty confident that the Warriors are going to be able to win this one. Uh, I've been wrong before, but uh, we'll see. Um, I'm going to second that with Ethan. Um, I, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I think that last Lakers Grizzly series was kind of full of gold. You, Anthony Davis was able to get whatever he wanted down in the post um, against Jaron Jackson and God knows whoever else they had out there from Memphis. And um, I think this is going to be the the real test, the real kind of test these Lakers. There are a lot of a lot of inexperienced guys on this team relying on Austin Reeves and Jared Vanderbilt, who are good players, and hopefully they'll be able to show and not just uh, shrink under the bright lights um, like they have been in these playoffs so far. We'll be able to continue on and make it an interesting series but I ultimately think the that the um the experience of the Warriors is gonna take take over man you know Warriors and um five wow I I think that's a little bit crazy I, I don't know about you Audrey I just I feel like this is going to be a very competitive series because I you are a LeBron fan oh I'm sorry, Eric's a LeBron fan. He's just not admitting it. So go ahead, Audrey, my bad. No, it's all right. Um, yeah, I agree it'll be competitive, but I also, I, I mean, I, I agree with the panel. The uh, the Warriors are are activated, I think, after that last game. They're locked in. I, I don't see the Lakers getting past them. I think it's going to be Warriors in six. Interesting. Another thing real quick, uh, the Warriors as a six seed have home court advantage, and they're great at Chase Center. So I think that's another big factor here now and i i agree with who you guys all have moving forward but i do think this is a six or seven game series uh i think audrey's prognostication is good but i do think there is at least one game where the lakers will show out and everyone will say wow how'd they win that game and it, it'll be because either anthony davis or lebron james shows up 
and plays seller basketball or Austin Reeves has a great game or Rui Hachimura has another unreal shooting night, which they have all shown they can do once or twice a series. I just think this is going seven. I, I think it'll be a coin toss in the end. But after what all we've said about Steph today, I'm really not p- picking against Steph. Re- really for, for a while, I think if I had to pick an NBA champion right now, I'd probably pick the Warriors. That's that's just kind of where my heart and soul are, are leaning right now. So uh, I, I'll take the Warriors in seven. As we wait for this Suns-Nuggets game to wrap up, Celtics-Sixers, I will not lie, a lot, lot of haters out there. You know, I, I don't know if you guys encounter them in everyday life, but I, I like to think that there's some Eric Jensen haters out there. And, you know, I, I sometimes you just, you got to silence the haters. And, and these haters say, you know, oh, you never played the game. You don't no ball you don't fall well uh this fine evening uh, i took my talents and walked over to sugar house park to play some basketball so i missed this first game but just acknowledge but just for a moment that that i do in fact quote unquote ball and do in fact quote no ball aramis please acknowledge that I acknowledge nothing, fam. I'm going to see you sometime this week, and I'm going to bust your ass. I don't care what you say, bro. But good job for you getting out being active, bro. All right. (laughs) That was was such an incredibly long wind-up to tell us that you went outside and played basketball. That was incredible. (laughs) Oh, my God. I was ready for something so significant about the haters and what they're talking about. Yeah. Eric is a master at the long wind-up. It's so true. It's so true. Yeah. But uh, so I miss this game. But I'll just say, wow, James Harden, I guess he, he cooked. And what a game to win. I mean, you didn't have Joel Embiid here. You might not have Joel Embiid for the rest of the series. But you, you win this one game in Boston. This is That's crazy. And that, I think, to me, changes the way I view the series. Does it change it for you, Audrey? Or do you think the Celtics will just make their adjustments and come out and smoke them in five? No, it, it absolutely changes the math for me. I think I think similarly to the Heat, the Sixers have bought themselves a ton of time. I am super impressed with my fellow Sun Devil, James Harden, for absolutely stepping up and, and, and doing what he needed to do and honestly shaking off, I think, a lot of a lot of ghosts of playoff pass for him. And you know, I'm I'm very excited for the Sixers roster. I think, you know, now you you've bought Embiid more time to get better and and similar to Jimmy not rushing back. And if James Harden can continue to play at the level that he is, and if Tyrese Maxey's uh, ankle is all right, I, I believe it was an ankle, then, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think this could go the distance. I think this could go to seven, honestly. it's It, it looks like fun, and I, I think if they're able to rest and beat and then get him back the following game for game three, uh, I, I don't think the Sixers are out of this by any means at all. I do have a, a question for you, Audrey, and this is going to go off the rails very quickly. You you do have some type of family in the Boston area, correct? Yes or no? <laughs> my my fiance's family lives in uh in New England somewhere in the north in uh New Hampshire. Okay, got it. Well, once 
once in your when we were in high school together, Audrey was a Patriots fan. Oh, so, that so, you mean that kind of connection? No, I just chose them uh, because I I'm a Cowboys fan first, uh, due to being from Texas, and right. uh, the Cowboys sucked my entire childhood. So I just had to pick another team to root for in the playoffs, and it ended up being the Patriots because I'm a bandwagon little kid, like like a little kid wearing like a Steph Curry Warriors T-shirt jersey in in a in a rec basketball game. I, I'm that kid. Well, now, and you mentioned that uh, that James Harden was uh, an Arizona State Sun Devil. So I have Go to Devil. ask you, and and please don't laugh at these questions. It will be ridiculous. I promise I'm, you. I'm ready. Uh, which city have you been to Boston much? Uh, I have actually. I went uh, for New Year's, uh, not this this most recent one, but the one before. Not that you would be an expert, but in your approximation, which city has better strip clubs, Tempe, Arizona, or Boston, Massachusetts? Wow. God, that is a good question. That is phenomenal. I have limited uh, experience inside strip clubs, but I will say that I lived uh, next door to a strip club when I did live in Arizona. When I was going to school, my my last apartment there was uh, across the street from this fantastic place. Uh, if you're ever in Tempe, please check it out. It's called Smoke and Lingerie. Uh, the front shop, the front part is a smoke shop. They got like blunt wraps and stuff, and then the back half is a massive sex shop with, I mean, aisles and aisles of VHS porn that you can rent. And yes. I know what you're asking. The porn is super racist, but <laughs> I lived across from that and next door to a a strip club called Dream Palace. And uh, when my fiance and I would uh, deliver DoorDash, uh, sometimes we would deliver to the strippers on their breaks and give the uh, bring them their food. And that club was pretty nice. So based off of that and the fact that uh, all I did in Boston was get super drunk and smoke cigarettes with old ladies outside of a bar right by the TD Garden. I think uh, I think I'm gonna have to give it to Tempe. Oh, okay. Well, that that of course is important when scouting James Harden. Would you agree or disagree? If it... uh, oh, also <laughs> I, I will add this about James Harden at ASU as well. He uh, lived in the same dorm that I ended up living in, and he said that that place is what made him a man. So. Take that what you will about ASU and uh and Harden's uh and the impact it had on James Harden going into his NBA career. You you know James Harden uh, he's always been the same guy uh and and I guess I guess we'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to get Ethan in as much trouble as possible while also <laughs> waiting for this Suns Nuggets game to wrap up because it's are, wrapped up, Eric. We, we, the we, Nuggets are going to win. We are and with a minute and a half. We are in that portion of an NBA game where like it takes 30 minutes to play three minutes of basketball. So you're about a minute and a half ahead of me. So that was that's good to know. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry right. for the spoilers, but yeah, oops. That's where we're at. Okay. Let's do some picks for Sixers Celtics. Yeah. The point is I guard the kids. I should play for the Celtics. By the way, a fantastic I I tweet that out sometimes. Uh that that comes from one of my favorite uh just just okay. Moment of Eric likes rap corner. Coast Contra, great rap group, really underrated. Definitely should check them out. Uh, one of my favorites off one of their songs, uh, 505, uh, goes, uh, the point is I guard the kids, I should play for the Celtics. 
and the Celtics do guard the kids. So I, I will take the Celtics in seven games for that reason. And that is why I am the casual. I'm the casual on the diehards. Thank you very much. Wow. Of all the Celtics-related oh, lines you could have chosen, that was awesome. That was incredible. Air, Air was it, though? Was it, As though? I I'll slowly be... lose my grip on reality. Good Lord. Okay, man. I don't know. I, I don't know, man. We're talking about strip clubs. We're talking about that. His last name ain't Harden for nothing. Anyways, um, <laughs> I think, oh, my God, bro. The Celtics are the most unserious team. <laughs> like, they should have took advantage. I I think y'all would appreciate this. I'm just happy Daryl Morey was able to get Joel Embiid to agree to sit down for a couple games so he could prove that if Houston was in the Eastern Conference, they would have made it to the finals. But I'm going to – so I think that's kind of beautiful poetry. But I'm going to go ahead and rock with um the Celtics in six. This is a stupid loss. They Shout out to the Sixers and what they did, but they, they need to tighten up, man. They were, this is getting ridiculous. Ethan? Both of these teams have extreme choker tendencies. Um, I I was ready before this series to be like, okay, the Celtics are going to win in like a quick five or six games. Um, but this first game, I mean, I don't remember the last time that a, a game one has changed my opinion this much on a series. I think I'm honestly leaning Philly now. Um, and, and I, I wouldn't have said that at the start of the playoffs because I just don't trust the Sixers in big games, but I think I have enough of a sample size now to say I don't trust Joe Missoula as a coach in the playoffs very much. Um, and I just don't think that the Celtics have quite that X factor. Um, the the number of dogs per 36 in them uh, requisite to advance further in this playoffs. So uh, I think the Sixers actually will win and the Eastern Conference will continue to remain upside down. Audrey? Uh, could have said it better myself. I I think that this first game absolutely uh, switched the math around a little bit. I still have the Celtics moving on here, but I've got them doing it now in seven instead of maybe the five. I honestly thought it was going to be this morning. All right, and finally, as the Denver Nuggets take a two nothing series lead on the Phoenix Suns, Audrey, here is your moment. As uh, I I bedtime as you have all probably figured out at this point of the podcast is desperately calling my name i've lost my marbles at this point in the evening but audrey i'm going to give you your time here go ahead and panic about the suns for me i'm panicked as hell thank you thank you for acknowledging that this is going to be me hitting the goddamn panic button it is okay so after game one i was of the impression that we were going to get swept, to be completely honest with you. Um, they just got outmatched. I mean, DeAndre Ayton, as we all saw in all those lovely videos, just completely looking like a shell of his former self on the floor for some reason. He does not have it right now. I think the they, they just couldn't match up defensively. They couldn't score. It, it just looked like a nightmare, and it looked like they need, they were going to need 50 from KD and Book each game to win. As we wrap up game two, and they're going to lose, and they're going to lose by double digits, it looks like, which is not great. Um, however, I think they made some pretty key adjustments coming into this game, uh, notably on the defensive end of the floor. They've tightened it up a lot. They forced a lot more turnovers. They've been a lot more efficient. And I think that's given me some hope, some encouragement. 
Um, I mean, obviously, you know, you'd like to see them be able to pull off this game. It was close most of the game. It was a, you know, a one to five point game up until I'd say midway through the fourth quarter. So it's just, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't know if the Suns got it in them, but after this game, it's still looking very hard, but I definitely see the vision now. I understand the gameplay now. The rotations have been better. I like giving more minutes to Jock Landale. I like giving more time to uh, campaign, even though he had a couple of interesting moments tonight. So I think the Suns can do it, but it's going to be a very tough fight, and it's going to require a lot of carrying from the stars. So I'm I'm still very nervous about the Suns season. Ethan, were you aware that Jock Landale was a real person before this evening? Of course I was. I watched the Olympics a couple of years ago. Uh, he was on the Australian team. And he Don't made sleep an on Jock. On He's great. And then later that summer, he signed an NBA contract with the San Antonio Spurs. So um, I think Jock Landale is a very quality uh, backup or third string center. So uh, yes, Eric, I, I am a diehard, in fact, and you are, in fact, a casual. So um, my thoughts on this series as a whole uh, I think the Suns are cooked. <laughs> um, the Nuggets are a really, really good team. They are playing like a really good team. And you talked about how you'd favor the Lakers or the Warriors over Denver. And I'm not going to call you wrong for that, but uh, I think it's going to be really, really tough. Um, the Nuggets are super good. They Go were ahead. one seed for a reason. Look, this is a podcast, Ethan. You're, so, yeah. you're supposed to be conflict. Just call me wrong. Okay, you're wrong, Eric. I think you're really wrong. Um, Denver is like, they're just good, dude. Jokic is freaking awesome. Michael Porter Jr. is making shots. Jamal Murray's making shots. Neither of them really made shots tonight and they still won the game. Um, their defense is great. Their offense is great. They have contributors up and down the roster. Bruce Brown is a guy everybody wants on their team. Christian Brown contributing as a rookie. Jeff Green, amazing Wiley vet. They only went eight deep off the bench tonight and they managed to clutch up at the end and win this game. Um, Denver's a really, really good team and um, they're going to be a problem uh, in this round and in the next round. All right. What's your prediction here? I'll go Nuggets in five. <laughs> Honestly, I think it'll be quick. Dang. Aramis. All right. All right. I, I was listening, uh, watched a little bit of the game before we were able to meet up. Um, Greg Anthony made a great call about the Nuggets offense and how they've been playing probably all season. They just move and they know how to move together. The ball likes to fly around there. Beautiful to see. And it feels like, I don't know, watching a little bit of the game, it feels like the Suns are a little bit too ISO heavy. I know you got the great, the great scores in um, KD and um, Booker, but man, man, the way this, the way the Nuggets are looking right now, man, cooking them up like this twice in a row. Um, Aaron Gordon bullying KD in the post for some of the points, man. I don't know, but it's not looking, it's not looking good. It's really not looking good. So I'm rocking with the Nuggets and um, okay, let's say four. Let's say sweep. Let's go. You know, I'm I'm gonna agree. I I I think they get swept here. This, you know, I have not been a fan of the style of basketball the Suns play, the style of basketball the Nuggets play. I am a fan of because they they pass the ball and like it looks like kind of like a a non isolation offense. Nikola Jokic is very good. He's very good at basketball. Every time I watch Nikola Jokic play, I think, man, that guy's pretty good at basketball. That. That's my analysis on this series, and I might be wrong, Ethan, but I am just if if this if we get Lakers 
Nuggets or Warriors Nuggets, and you you can hold me to this. I I'm gonna pick Warriors or Lakers. That's just what I'm gonna pick until the Nuggets actually do it. To me, they've got you know they've got Utah Jazz auras to them. Very good Mountain West team who doesn't get a lot of national respect, who usually falls out of the playoffs within the first two rounds. Until I see them in the NBA Finals, I am not willing to say that the Nuggets are going to make it there. So that's that's just kind of my thought. And that's why I'm a casual. So I mean, uh, I, I don't think you're wrong. Like, if the Warriors get past the Lakers, hell, I'd pick them against Denver, too. I'm a fan. Of course, I think they're going to win, but... I just think, I don't know, the disrespect of Denver, just a little bit, just a little bit disrespect of Denver. They're really, really good. So I, I just don't sleep on them. That's all I got to say. They were good tonight. I'll give them that. I, and I do think they will get the sweep. So they've that's got to mean something. All right. All of you. Thank you. This ends, by the way, a stretch of where we do the podcast every week. I am going on uh, a vacation next week, so there will not be – a podcast then and then the week after I have my my birthdays on a Sunday so I probably won't do a podcast then I might do it with some other friends who uh who wanted to to come on but we will definitely all get together let's just say we'll we'll all get together uh once the conference finals start in about two weeks maybe on on like a Monday night or or something like that but thank you all i wanted to sincerely thank all of you for all the time you've given me this year this has been fun especially the past few weeks doing it every week is nice for the playoffs thank you all so much for joining me i i appreciate it thank you all right with that we call it a night this will be up late tonight early tomorrow morning check it out we will be back in about three weeks once the second round is over. Thank you all so much for listening. We will see you next time. Peace out. Peace.